Hey everybody, this is Tobias Haglin and you're listening to the Men on Miscarriage podcast. This is part two of my interview with Ryan. Enjoy. Um, in fact, actually, a better way to say it would be that I just flat did not handle it at all. What do you mean? Um, well, the, I mean, of course, like I said, the first miscarriage was kind of a, well, you know, that kind of sucks, but, you know, but after the second one knowing, and then the third one knowing, and I, I didn't know how to deal with it. I'm kind of, or not as much as I used to be now, but I used to be a real kind of control freak about my life. Mm -hmm. And so for me to venture out and do things like, I mean, for example, my wife, you know, when I, I fell in love with her, the moment I actually met her and um, in person and, you know, getting, it was kind of like, a, I knew that I wanted to marry her, but it was getting out of a comfort zone for myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then, so I'm like, I'm kind of slowly making these changes in my life. And then, you know, you get these miscarriages and that I have absolutely no control over. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to fix the situation. You know, there's, I mean, cause there is no fixing that, you know, and a lot of times as, you know, I'd say it, but, you know, kind of one of those stereotypical, you know, as men, we feel that, you know, we need to be the protector. We need to, anytime there's an issue, we need to be able to fix it, mm-hmm. you know? So in general, when you can't, you, a lot of men will feel like they failed. Mm-hmm. And um, that was kind of one of my things. And, so I, and I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to handle it, how to take the, um, the pain or, you know, feelings towards it. And my wife, you know, had her own feelings towards it. And I misread some of the things that she had said to me. Mm-hmm. And when I remember one of the thing, one of the big things that really set this off was, um, I, I was home. She, she, we were home and, um, took a couple days off from work. And I actually, I was at, I went to work. I went straight back to work and my boss sent me home. He goes, I don't even know why you're here. He goes, you're not, he says, I know you can't focus on being able to do your work. He says, you need to be home with your wife. Now to kind of put that one in there too, my boss was actually, I mean, even though he was a priest, he was, um, he was originally married earlier on in his life and he has three kids that are right around my age. So he understands being a parent and being, you know, a husband and, and, and kind of thing. So, and I'm like, well, <laughs> what the hell am I going to do at home? You know? And I went, so I went home and stuff and I was just trying to be some sort of comfort or whatever. And, you know, she told me, go away. I don't want you. Mm-hmm. And, well, you know, and it, it's really easy to miss to misinterpret that, oh, sure. and or take things, you know, take it literally, and that's or pretty much what I did. Yeah, and I so I just kind of kept everything to myself, and unfortunately, I'm not. I'm certainly not proud of this, but I have no problem admitting that I turned to alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know, I used that because I didn't know what else to do. And 
it basically would just numb it. And so that I could just completely forget that anything ever happened. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, I did, I don't do it anymore. I don't drink anymore, but, um, it's just bad. It's just one of those things that, you know, happens you get, and hopefully it's one of those, hopefully you can get through it. In my case, I did. Um, it took a lot of work and it took quite a few years. Mm. Um, we, cause we did, we ended up separating, um, about five, let's see, that was an 11. So we separated about five years later. And by this point we'd already, we'd had the kids and um it just things were things were toxic yeah um because we still and, and we didn't understand because we'd fallen out of sync for so long mm-hmm. i didn't understand that she was depressed still depressed and she didn't understand that i would i mean frankly we didn't even understand that we were just as ourselves that we were we were individually that we were and um so so we separated for two years um and stuff and it basically was kind of we figured things out sort of found ourselves again as individuals which i think was which was a really good thing in in that regard and so then and for me it was just i kept drink i at first i kept drinking and then things were starting to become more and the more the feel the the more the feelings of it all tried to come i just drank more and more because i just i didn't want to deal with any of it and it finally came to a head one night that it just there wasn't enough alcohol in the world Mm -hmm. to stop and i and i mean i god it just all came out i think i probably cried for about three or four hours straight wow and i drank so much alcohol i should have had alcohol poisoning thank god i did not um but it was that was a moment of clarity for me of okay you know what you need to get this under control you need to get your life back and under control or this is going to spiral out into a deeper hole that i might not be able to get out of and so I, I, I did, I went and I, um, saw a, uh, therapist twice and, um, it just didn't really do anything for me, but, um, our, but my wife and I would kind of, we eventually, we got to, uh, started talking again, talking more and things. Um, then we eventually decided, you know what, I mean, cause we were on the verge of divorce. Mm. Like the, we had the paperwork, um, we hadn't, we hadn't filled it out yet, but we had the paperwork, everything would have been amicable, but it was like a, a friend of mine told me, oh, I think it was about probably a month or two before we got back together and we'd had the paperwork for shoot, I don't know, six months or so. And he goes, you know. He goes, if you two, he says, if you guys really wanted to get divorced, you would have already done it. Hmm. He goes, 
I know neither of you want to. He says, I know you guys are trying to work on this and that you want to stay together. And it was the truth. And, and one of those, um, honestly, one of those um, things for us that I, I think really pushed us to work on, work on it instead of just filing and just giving up on it is seeing my grandparents um, and their marriage. They've now we're in 2022. They've been married 73 years. Wow. And my other grandparents are um, deceased now, but they, they were married 57 years um, before uh, grandma had passed. And, um, you know, so it's just like, you know what, if you can go that long and go through the amount of stuff that they've all been through, we can work through this, mm-hmm. you know, and it took, it, it was not, it wasn't easy. It was difficult and it was a long road to get back to us. And I mean, it, it eventually worked, thank, thankfully, um, you know, and we ended up leaving the area that we were living in at that point. Cause it was like, okay, you know what, we're doing this. We need a fresh start, get out of here, you know, and um, so forth. And we, and we moved uh, kind of closer to family now. So we are able to get, now we're actually also able to get more time, you know, now and then for us to go on a date, send the kids over to their cousins, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. And, and, and so it's, it's working. Um, you know, we're, it's just, it's a standard, you know, back to the standard everyday marriage, you know, couples have their things, and, you know, so forth. But, um, you know, things, <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm hearing things drop upstairs. I'm thinking, oh, Lord. I didn't hear a shatter, so I can say sitting. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Screaming and shattering. The rest is just bumping. <laughs> but, um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's, you know, everything is just a normal, you know, normal life now at this point. And I'm, you know, I wish that the, this Facebook group I found, um, I wish it would have been there, you know, 11 years ago. It wasn't. And so, you know, I didn't have the help. I had, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say I was completely left alone. Um, I know I pushed a lot of people away Hmm. and my dad, um, I know my dad, um, you know, had had asked me a couple of times how I was doing. I just, you know, just told him I was fine and, you know, whatever, uh, my grandfather, um, my mom's side, my grandparents had had a stillborn child and it was, it was their first child, um, and I, re- I remember grandpa pulled me aside. We went up for lunch and it was about, I don't know, three or four weeks, maybe after the third one. And um, I remember he pulled me aside and he says, um, he goes, okay. He says, Ryan, you're never going to forget them. Hmm. He goes, they are, he says, they are your babies. He goes, um, he says, you know, the way things feel now, the way you feel now, he says, it's going to get easier as time goes on. He goes, it'll never get better. It doesn't. 
it doesn't go away. He goes, but the hurt gets less. He goes, but a net, but he says it will never go completely away. And he goes, but you know, remember, he says, most people that talk to you or try to talk to you about it, he says, most of them really have absolutely no idea. He says, most of them mean well, but you know, they might say things that they think are helpful and they're really not. He goes, try not to take offense to it. Yeah. He goes, it's an uncomfortable topic. It's an uncomfortable situation. And most people just don't know, just don't understand. And he says, but he goes, remember, family's always here. He says, never, he says, family will not go away. He says, we all, you know, love you. And it's, he's, and it, he goes, none of that will ever change. Um, and it's like for he was uh, that grandfather. He was a huge uh, jokester and stuff like that. And that was the most. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of the right word here. Um, probably the I'd say probably the most sentimental and heartfelt yeah. um, thing he had ever said to me. Hmm. And it, it was how I mean, now that I look back on it, um, it's one of those one of those things I'll never forget. But, you know, at the time, it was still, I was pushing everybody away. And, um, but now looking back and reflecting on that, it's like, you know what? As a whole, I think that was even still subconsciously, I think that was a help, huge help. And so I've been, when I can, I try to um, tell that, you know, tell that to uh, fathers and, and, and sometimes mothers also, you know, that same thing. And I don't know if it's helpful. I hope it is. Um, you know, that's just kind of the whole point, you know, now is I'm just, I'm, I'm okay. My wife's okay. And I just want to try to help somebody else out there. I figure um, if I can do that, then it helps. I don't know. There's some good has come out of it. I, yeah. I guess yeah, it's, I think it helps our journey to getting a chance to share our stories, especially if we can share the raw um, authentic parts that we're not proud of is because I think that's um, I imagine that's what the Facebook group would have done for you had you had it, you know, 11 years prior. But that's my question for you is what does something like the Facebook group do for you and what would it have done for you had you had it sooner? I think if I had it sooner, I mean, now it's just it's a nice. Um, uh, how do I put it? Um sort of like a um assur not assurance but uh, it, it's nice to be i guess reassured that you know it's okay you know that it you know happened that this is not it's not something that you know i caused or could have caused or that my wife could have caused it um and i'm not the only one or we or rather we are not the only ones going through it mm. you know it's like you know that you know, you know, you're not the only ones going through it, but unless there's somebody or a few people out there that, you know, can tell you that, you know, from a conscious point or a mental point or whatever, you know, it's unless there's somebody else out there that can tell you that, that, you know, Hey, you're not alone. I've been through it. You do feel like you're alone. Yeah. It's very alienating. And 
you know, so I think had that been around um, back then, you know, I don't, I don't know if I would have done things differently or not. I don't know. But I mean, cause it's, you know, one of those things that, you know, it's hard to tell this, you know, far later after going through all of it and doing the things that I did. And, um, you know, it just, but, you know, I would like to think that it would have helped me out and I would not have done the things I did. But that said, you know, would I be where I am today? Yeah. No, that's the question. For you me. know, I, I'm, I'm curious where you are at today. Um, where do your, where do you and your wife connect on this? And is there any part of this that you and your wife still uh, find a hard time coming together on? Um, I guess I don't entirely understand the question, but I mean, if I, if I do here, um, we really, um, I mean, we're both okay with it now. You know, we've talked through this stuff Yeah. and I mean, we're both, we're on the same level now. We know how each other feels about it, um, about them rather. And, um, you know, it's just, it's not a source of mental contention anymore. Uh And because I know now I know what she went through and, you know, what. And one of the things I learned while we were separated, um, a lot of men don't realize how strong their significant other, the the mother is. And that was my thing for my wife, because by not being there, she, even though physically I was there, she went through it all by herself. She went through three miscarriages alone essentially. And for her to come out of it the way she did, I'm not only proud of her, I'm, uh, I have a hell, I have a lot more respect for her and a lot more love for her than I did the day we met. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I, I feel the same about my wife. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of, I, I think that's, it's one of those things, a lot of men, a lot of fathers don't entirely realize just how strong the mother or their, or their significant other is. Mm. And have you discovered kind of anything else in your marriage that maybe this brought out, um, that, that, that not having this experience you might've missed? Not really. Um, I mean, when we were going, I, I guess I'm trying to think exactly how to, I mean, when we went through our um, classes, uh, the um, marriage classes before we got married, you know, everything, we our communication was almost 100%. There's, um, I don't know how many denominate not to go too far into this but i don't know how many denominations do uh, what's called uh, pre-cana courses there's a test of sorts that you take um it's a basically it's a communications test and there's x number of questions um there are different questions depending on the how the couple are like if they're like i said my case is catholic is is the way here but 
you know, like there's a section of standard questions that everybody does. And then if say it's a second marriage for one person, then there's another set of questions. Or if um, it's a inner faith one, like in the case, my wife was, um, she was a Protestant, I was Catholic. There was a different set of questions that we had to answer also and you know that sort of thing so it's all on communication mm-hmm. and um when we did that we scored a 98 i think it was on on the entire test and the uh, priest that was uh, going through the um classes and stuff with us he goes and he goes in the 20 years that i've been doing this he goes i have never seen a couple score that high and the and and so you know then when, when all this stuff went down you know later you know we lost the communication mm. you know and and that's you know and that happens a lot i mean you know you naturally you're going to lose some communication just as your relationship goes on you know you get busy you're doing different things and so forth or once you have kids you know or especially when you get a miscarriage you know your, your communication changes in general But, um, you know, for us, it's like we lost it. And I think, and and going through what we did and losing it, but then going through separation, we learned how to communicate again. Mm -hmm. I mean, because we went our separate ways and basically it was kind of like a reset of sorts um, to a degree. I mean, you know, having kids, it was, you know, there's still that aspect. But um, our communication now, I think, is a lot, I think is a lot better than it probably was um, even before the miscarriages now. Looking back on it, it's like, you know, there are things we didn't talk about that we probably should have. Yeah. And it's really too coming from a place where you're saying like you had really, really great communication. It just shows how impactful these experiences are because you guys are like, you know, scoring a 98 in your own context. And then this this just yanks that away. And I think that's kind of what some of these experiences do is they cause everybody to uh, kind of go to their corners of the room uh, and operate out of their standard operating procedure. And they lose the partnership. The partnership gets tossed out. And that's where I think a lot of the conflict comes in. And I feel like that's reflective. Sharon, we're we're coming close to the end of the the podcast here. I'd love to ask you just a couple more questions. Um, These are ones I love to kind of ask at the end. Uh, is is there anything that you would tell yourself then, given what you know now? Oh gosh, um, seek out seek out help um, in a in a supportive manner from those from others who have been through it. Don't try to do it all by yourself keep the communication with your significant other open you know that's pretty much the exact same thing that i've been telling people because i don't oh yeah because i don't want to see or you know hear about people having the kind of thing that i did um you know that it's just the way i look at it now yeah no 
No, that's 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 great. Man. I appreciate it. it's been so it's been so fun. I haven't had to ask you many questions because you just keep answering them all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're just going down the line. Uh, but um, my second to last question for you is what I really like about this format of doing podcasts is, hey, I just feel like I, I love adding to this list of guys sharing on their experiences because I, I keep hearing from people that really enjoy this format. Um, but I think it's also for you and it's for your family. It's kind of like a uh, time capsule because it goes on the internet and it stays there for forever, right? It goes up and yeah. <laughs> um, And you've got you've got two young kids and I'm sure you're, you're, you, anything you've shared with me today, you've shared with your wife, but so maybe you can think about it in this context, but let's say your kids come and they listen to this later in their, in their adulthood to hear more about your story. Um, what is it that you'd want your kids to know about you in this experience? Were they to listen to this later? That everything, I'd say everything that um, their mother and I went through, because they were, you know, quite a bit younger than when that all went down, separation stuff. Um, I'd probably want to tell them that, um, you know, even through that entire separation of those two years, that their mother and I still had a lot of love for each other. And in even with all of the, um, drinking and stuff that I did back then, I never once um, thought of ever leaving them. I know that younger kids, you know, kind of get that thought now and then of they think it's their fault, mm. you know, when things go down and stuff. But no, I, I mean, I've told them, you know, a million times, but it's still one of those things that you don't necessarily understand until you're older. And you know, that's just it. Even through all of it, I at no point did I ever think that it was their pro that they caused anything. Um, nor, you know, did I ever want to leave, you know, that sort of and, and whatnot. So, yeah. No, oh, that's good, man. I'm glad we captured that. I'm sure that that'll be something they need to hear one day. All right. My last question for you is, um, is there anything else that, that you'd want to share? Like where for guys and, uh, girls, I mean, a lot of different kinds of people listen to this podcast. I've really enjoyed looking, uh, the app I use to load this stuff up allows me to see, um, it like pulls, um, data from listeners of like gender and, uh, age and, uh, uh, yeah, some, a couple other things, but the age range is huge for people that are listening to it. It kind of goes like arc, you know, 18 to like 80 and the highest kind of being right. there, you know, late thirties, early forties. Uh, but it's so funny for, probably you know there's more than 10 podcast episodes but for probably for almost like eight out of ten podcasts it was mostly women listening and then just recently over the past two podcasts it went up and it's more guys listening which I was like oh that's really cool because it's it's you know men on miscarriage and so um, but just know that you're you're speaking to a very broad audience, the kind of people that have reached out have been guys that have gone through miscarriage, wives uh, who are trying to figure out how to connect with their husbands, uh, parents and grandparents who are trying to figure out their place in this, and also just friends who are trying to find out kind of how to, how to support their friend that's going through it. Um, is there anything that you'd want to share with kind of any of those demographics or something to share in general before we close? Well, um, go through go through the entire grieving process with with, with your significant other and you know what for men 
the hell with the whole um, men don't cry, men don't emotional crap. You know what? Let it out. Yeah. Don't hold that stuff in there because it is going to do nothing but weigh on your shoulders, weigh on you physically. It really will if, you know, and you need to let it out. Um, if it's something that you're not comfortable doing in front of your significant other or something like that, go to your car. Just, but you got to let that emotion out. Let it cry, scream, or do something. Yeah. Bless I mean, of, of course, safely, you know, but. You know, but I mean, do something, you know, to let that out. You cannot keep that in or it will eat you alive. Yeah. I Having been there and um, do not for do not turn to substances yeah. because it will it or it can take you to a very dark place mm-hmm. that you might not be able to come out of. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, brother. I have had a blast. Uh, you, this has been, I think this has been the easiest interview. <laughs> no offense to any of you, the other guys, they're great, but, uh, man, I feel like you just, again, like I said, I'm looking at my questions going, well, he answered that and he answered that. And I'm no. like, I got no questions to ask you. Really sorry. No, please don't apologize. You made my life easy. I just got to sit here and listen. It's like, I already listened to the pre-recording. It was great. No, I, I appreciate your authenticity and you're willing to go deep and sharing the other parts of your story again. Um, I think it's really powerful for people to hear the real deal because I think everybody, when they start to experience the really dark parts of processing through something that just sucks this much, uh, they start to think, man, is there something wrong with me? Am I, am I doing this wrong? Am I, am I messed up? And so I, I feel like the things that you shared, um, a lot like the other guys that, that I've interviewed, everybody has a, such a unique experience. And I, right. I always remember when I first started this, um, I didn't think I'd do very many, uh, Cause I figured, yeah, all the stories are pretty much the same. It might get boring real fast and it's never gotten boring because every story is so unique and different. And, uh, there's just so many variables and that's really helpful to capture it. So thanks. Thanks for doing the podcast. Thanks for, no, thank you. No, I, I really appreciate it brother. All right. Uh, thanks for listening in everybody. Um, uh, we'll be posting more as these stories come up, uh, just kind of as a reminder, uh, if, uh, if you're like Ryan and you get a hold of this podcast or, or one of the other episodes, which, well, it would be this one cause you'd be hearing me talk right now, <laughs> but if you want to get interviewed or you want to kind of share your story just to support other men that are going through, uh, this experience, uh, please reach out to me. You can email me at men on miscarriage at gmail.com and, uh, we'll get you loaded up. All right, Ryan. Thanks so much, brother. Thank you. Hey everybody, this is Tobias Haglin, and again, you're listening to the Men on Miscarriage podcast. I just want to say a special thanks to Ryan uh, for doing this interview with me. Thanks so much for listening and for reaching out to share your story. I appreciate your vulnerability and the opportunity to get to interview you, brother. All right, if you are listening to this and uh, you would like to share it, please do. Uh, We do this uh, to share the story of miscarriage and to be able to come alongside men who are processing through this experience. And uh, if you're a guy and you've gone through this and you want to share your story, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'd love to interview you so that you can tell your story. Just email me at menonmiscarriage at gmail.com. Have a great day.